welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil. This is this, this is a show where I can talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. And today, my incredible guest, incredible, incredible, the incredible April Holmes, Team USA athlete, two-time Paralympic medalist, gold medal at the 2008 Games, multiple world records, national championships, and is the founder of Hero Hangouts. April, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful, Michael. How about yourself? It is a good day to be alive. We're recording this on a Friday. Hopefully you're listening to this on a Monday or a Tuesday. You get that little extra motivation that you're listening and you deserve. But April, I am so excited. As I said, this is about sports and it's about business. And I get to talk about both of those with you because you're an incredible athlete and now you're an incredible business person. So I think we're going to have some fun with this one. But April, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? I don't know anything else, Michael. <laughs> I don't, you and me I, both. I, I've literally been playing sports since I was a kid, and it was my escape away from piano lessons. It was my escape away from uh, doing a nutcracker for the 5,000th time. It was what? my escape from, like, ballet. I mean, just anything that my mom just thought, if, if she thought basket weaving would keep us busy, she probably would enroll us in basket weaving. But I got to track and field, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I love it. Uh, I saw basketball. I'm like, I love it. Anything sports, I'm like, I love it. Anything like artsy, I applaud those people. That's their talent, but that's not what I love. Um, so I, I really threw myself into sports because it was the, it was the the uh, creativity um, that you can use your body and your mind, um, and the competitiveness that it took to be you know to be excellent, to be great, um, to win. Uh, so those things are like reasons of why I love sports and just the camaraderie with some of your your peers. Um, and so I'm like anything to keep me away from that piano and that ballet, you know, shoes hurt. Um, so yeah, I've been thrown into athletics since a very, very young age. I think it was like five years old or so. I started running track and would play basketball, you know, whenever I went to the park, sometimes I get on the swings and that was cool. And other times I'd just go play basketball. Um, but love sports ever since I was a kid and, and, um, still love it obviously to, to this day. Um, but the, the, it, it's amazing that the lessons that sports teach you, teaches you at such a young age, you know, um, the, you know, the resilience, um, you know, I've been getting pushed down and have fallen down since I was a kid. Uh, so to get pushed down and falling down and, and, and now to manifest for it to manifest itself in, in your life as an adult, you know, when things like COVID hit and when things like, you know, um, just any number of things that might be a fall down for you in life is like, wait a minute, I've been here before. I got back up and, you know, I, I'm still playing the game of life. So, um, so just kind of keeping those things I learned in sport at, at such a young age and, and every single day, almost in sport, just kind of keeping those things in the forefront and knowing what it takes to, to succeed and just getting back up and, and succeeding and becoming a champion in everything I do in life. 100%. I love that answer because sports, right? It's fun. It's something to do. It's, it's enjoyable, but it also, as you said, teaches you a lot, right? You teach how you learn how to lose like where else in life do you learn how to lose outside yeah. of the classroom and you know that's a whole nother conversation time management <laughs> discipline there's so many different things that sports teaches you uh and and it's interesting because i'm excited to create the parallels or see those parallels of okay well you made it to the highest of high in terms of athletic achievement you had world records mm. world records so you literally made it to the highest of high in your sport and now you get to do that in business too. So I'm excited to create those parallels a little later on this conversation. But I do want to understand. So again, you are a, a Paralympic athlete. You have a gold medal at the 2008 uh, Paralympic Games. You have a bronze, I think, at 2004, correct? I have two. I have oh. one at 
one in okay. uh, 04 and one in 12 in, in London. There we go. Thank you. I appreciate um, my research. Look at that. Wikipedia. And you just, no, I'm kidding. Um, but no, in sincerity. So, so again, you make it to the, the highest of high, but this wasn't the way, you know, many athletes are, are born and, and can only compete in the Paralympics. Unfortunately, there was a little bit of a tragic story that happened with you to put you in this situation. Obviously, you made the best out of it, but would definitely love for you to tell the people uh, that story, what happened. Um, and, you know, that kind of kind of kick off the rest of the uh, the conversation that way. Sure. I was uh, I was actually I've been running track like I said, since I was five uh, and ran all the way through high school, ran all the way through college. And my mom, one of the things she always pressed upon us was, you know, she didn't have any money for us to go to college, but she still expected us to go. And so from there, it was like, OK, I'm going to college. I'm going to run and, you know, use athletics as a way to pay for my education and was able to go through college uh, at Norfolk State University and, and uh, get a college scholarship, a track scholarship there. Uh, had a pretty successful uh, college uh, career. And after then, I'm like, okay, it's time to go to work. Like, I, I never thought about athletics being a um, a career for me. It was just like, okay, I need to pay for college. Um, and so after college, I uh, went back to the Philadelphia area and uh, started working in, in communications at, at Verizon and doing some things, some different things there. Um, but one of the things I realized was that how much I really loved athletics, how much I really loved like marketing and things. And so I remember starting my uh, master's degree at Drexel University at the time. And uh, when I started my about two weeks after I started my master's degree, I actually got into a train accident. So my boyfriend and I were in Philadelphia and I was uh, attempting to get on a train. Train driver decided he was getting ready to go. He was ready to go. And so ended up slipping and falling, fell underneath the platform and um, they train crushed, crushing my leg. Um, and I actually laid there for 17 minutes, you know, being able to. Uh, think about life. You know, was this the end of my life? Was it? Did I have more left to live? Did I have more left to give? Um, you know, was I going to die right there underneath the platform at 30th Street Station in Philadelphia? Like all those things kind of go through your mind. Uh, but then I really called upon. It's interesting when you're, you know, I'll say when you're in a pinch, <laughs> um, literally and figuratively. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but thankfully you did, because yeah, there, there's a couple meanings to that one. Yeah, it's like when you're in a pinch, you know, what do you turn to? You know, what type of things do you turn to? And so one of the things I did was, you know, just kind of keep in mind some of the things that I've been learning in my life, which was, you know, my mom always said, you keep kids busy, they'll stay out of trouble. So, okay, now I'm in trouble. Now what do I do? Um, so laying there, there was some snow in very close proximity because this is January in Philadelphia. So snow in close proximity. I literally started picking up the snow and making snowballs because as I was laying there, I'm like, okay, how do I keep my mind busy? So I don't think about the fact that I'm actually trapped underneath this train instead I'm thinking about, you know, how do I, how do I keep myself, like my mind occupied kind of thing? So it's throwing snowballs. And then I'm like, wait, I got to also keep my heart beating. And so how do I do that? And so I'm like, wait, I like music. I love music. I love every kind of music. And so I start literally singing songs, throwing snowballs, singing songs. The whole time they're sitting there trying to figure out how to get my leg free from this train and the train tracks. I'm singing songs and throwing snowballs. And so um, that's kind of how I kept myself alive, I'll say. But um, woke up several hours later in the emergency room and in the hospital. And and um, I remember learning that my leg had been amputated and, and you know, to, to lift up and look down and, and see a cast where your leg used to be. Um, and I was 27 at the time. So, you know, for 27 years, these two legs of mine mm -hmm. had, had, uh, taken me to, to, to great mountaintops. I'm gonna call it had, had taken me to many uh, championships and, and through many races, through many basketball games. But now to know that I was now missing my left, my left foot, um, was pretty devastating at the time. And I remember, uh, turning to my cousin who was right there by my bed. And I said to her, you mean to tell me I'll never be able to run or play basketball again? 
And she's like, no, you'll be okay. I'm like, no, 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 no. Right, thanks. No, no, no. I'm missing my leg. Like, so I can't run and play basketball anymore. Like those are, even though I was not doing those things anymore, like in a college level or anything, they, they were still things that I still love to do. And so to, to think that two things that you absolutely love to do, you can't do them anymore. is pretty devastating. And so I remember, um, it, like my doctor, like you said, mentioned, he, you know, every single day this guy came in and it was like show and tell to him or something. So like every day he either bought so with, or someone with him, he either bought magazines, he bought food, he bought any and everything. And I mean, any and everything, I mean, any and everything he bought. And so when he would bring these things by, you know, a lot of times I'm like, here, go this guy again. Um, but this one particular day he bought these magazines about the Paralympics and I'm like, had no clue what Paralympics were, never heard of, never saw Paralympics, only disabled people. I even knew were like, those were in a hospital. I mean, like, you know, church or something, or mm -hmm. I saw them in the mall or something like that. So to see like magazines with, with athletes, like, is it, like you talked about, you know, where there's ignorance. I, 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 in, in fact, I looked at, look at it more like it's education. Um, because that was education to me. You know, I had no idea that that people with disabilities could actually still participate in sports. Um, so when he first gave me the magazines, I just kind of took them and threw them up on my dresser or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to come back later and talk to you about those things. And before he could even get back, my sisters had come to visit and they're like, where'd you get these magazines from? And I'm like, Dr. DeLone, you know, the man's crazy. Um, and so I'm like, every day he comes in here to bring something, you know. And so my sisters kind of took the magazines and just kind of was looking through them. And they're like, no, 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 April, you should look at these magazines because they're athletes on these magazines. They're competing in sport. I'm like, you know, did the, I probably old, too old to understand this, but like the, uh, uh, um, what was the name of that show? It's like, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of did one of those things. And I'm like, what are you talking about athletes on these pages? And so, you know, looking at, the, I end up taking the magazines from my sisters and looking at them and I'm like, wait, I got it. I, and I'm literally flipping through the magazines as fast as I can because I'm trying to see what my competition looks like. I'm a, I told you, I'm an athlete. So you tell me you ran track, you tell me you played basketball. I'm going to start looking at you side eye and like looking you up and down. Like, wait a minute, do you really look like you play basketball or run track? And so when I looked at the magazines, I'm trying to find the person that won. You know, I'm looking at the competition, like what did they look like, what they built like, like those kind of things. Um, and before he could get back, I literally had come up with three dreams. I, I wanted to represent the United States at the next Paralympic Games. I wanted to be a gold medalist and I wanted to be the fastest amputee in the world. Like, I, I, mean, I mean, so you, you think about, I went from the train tracks to the hospital bed, like that, that took, you know, a couple of days, couple of weeks, whatever that looked like. And then now all of a sudden I'm having, you know, dreams of standing on top of the podium as being the best in the world. Um, so people often, you know, like, how did, how did you, like, you just lost your leg. Like, where did you get the mentality even to kind of focus on the fact that you want to be the best in the world? And where did that dream come from? And I'm like, I've been a champion all my life. Again, I, I, I've fallen down. It's like, okay, how do you get back up and not just get back up, but win when you get up, you know, it's, it's like life knocked you down or somebody knocked you down. You want to come back at, at, at them or that with like everything that you have and, you know, prove that you can, you can win this game also. Um, so that was my mentality, Michael, just, you know, I want to come back and win this also. I want to be the best. I don't just want to be a, 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 a you know, a, a spectator in the sport. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be the best in the sport. And that's all I know. And you got there. You you represented the United States at the Paralympic Games. You won a gold medal and you were the fastest in the world, literally multiple world records. So, April, I think it's incredible just kind of, as you said, like over that short period of time, over those few days, how much your life changed from doing marketing and communications at Verizon in a cubicle, probably right to unfortunately losing your leg to then, you know, having this goal and the, these goals and dreams to be, you know, one of the best athletes in the entire world. That is 
that's a lifetime for some people, right? And you kind of had all of that in the span of a few days. And I, I want to get into, you know, you then, you, you know, you, as you said, you were athletic, you ran track in college, you know, you're 27 now, though, I'm 29. I, I was probably a little more athletic when I was closer to college. I'm not going to lie here, just a little bit. So what was it like, I guess, getting back in? I mean, you still had your job, right? So was this something you, you did on the side? What was it like learning? I mean, I don't, I don't know, was it learning how to run again? But like, what, what was that process like getting fitted for, um, you know, your, your, your new leg? Like how, talk to me about that aspect of it, because it's cool to have these dreams and say these things. But after a couple of weeks, a lot of people would just be like, you know what, like, I'm kind of just cool trying to figure out how to live life again. And you're like, nah, like, I'm gonna be the best in the world at this. How do you Again, then then how do we make it to point C in this conversation? We made it to A to B. How do we then get to C of just like, how do you start training and all that entire aspect of the uh, the conversation? So one of the things was, again, you know, it, we, we talked about it briefly before, but it's, you know, what are those things that sport has taught you um, that are transferable in life? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, one is, you know, I call upon my team. Um, you know, I had the greatest, I had and still have the greatest support network of family, friends, um, you know, those people that are always cheering for you no matter what. So, so, you know, the, the network or the support system, you know, we learn from, from athletics and te- in terms of teamwork. So letting my team know this is, this is, this is the goal for us. You know, this is, this is where we're going. Um, and for them to cheer, you know, them to be spectators, them to be, you know, they was holding the stop, they would start holding the starting blocks. They were out at practice to, you know, with me sometimes taking, you know, t- timing me. I mean, you name it, I called upon them to do any and everything. Um, so, you know, just to, for, first off, you know, needing a leg is it's great. You have a dream, but now you need the tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, getting my first prosthetic leg, that was that was uh, that was special. Um, it's, in fact, it's almost been 20 years ago today um, that I c- kind of got my first prosthetic leg. <clears throat> Excuse me. But to get that leg it was like, OK, now I have one of the tools. Now I just have to put it to work. You know, it's like you're, you're given tools in life, but are you putting them to work? Uh, so being able to put them to work, um, being able to get out on the track, being able to call on some of my former track coaches from from when I was a kid, you know, call on them and say, hey, listen, I'm still in this area. I need to learn how to run again. Um, it's like you know, it's like riding a bike. You didn't you didn't forget how to run. Instead, what you need to do is figure out how to run with that prosthetic one. Um, and so, you know, every day while I was at, at Verizon, I'm literally at work from from eight o'clock to five o'clock, um, get off work at five o'clock. By five thirty, I was at the track. Um, so five thirty to eight o'clock at night, I, w- I used to go over to Temple University's uh, track and go over there, and sometimes even over over to St. Joe's track, and you know practice every day. And then I would leave there and come home at night, and literally I'm eating my dinner in front of my computer because now I'm working on my master's degree. So you know all of these things. It was like my days were crazy. Um, so many times I'm like, okay, I still want to go out, I still want to have a life, still want to hang out with my friends, and you know those kind of things in my family. And so I'm literally like, okay, wait a minute, I can go out to the club, but wait a minute, I have to get my homework done first. <laughs> this is like, you know, so my life was so crazy then, but I was so focused on like, you know, being able to compartmentalize your focus, I think is, is, is such a, such a sport thing to do. You know, it's like, you know, ice water running through your veins kind of thing. Cause I'm at Verizon and I'm needing to do a job so I can get paid. Um, I leave there, I go to track, I need to do a job there also so I can get paid in a different way. So I'm paying off, you know, and, and it's paying off in terms of me achieving my dreams. And then I'm also working on my master's degree at night. So that's paying off by education. So all of these things is like ice water to me. Like as, when I'm in that moment, I'm in that moment, I'm thinking about that, I'm achieving that, I'm succeeding at that. And so just being able to do all three of those things at one time was crazy. I know it was crazy. As I think back on it, it was crazy. 
Um, but nothing to me would deter me from that idea of, you know, it wasn't just I'm, I'm lip service. I'm, I want to be the best in the world. It wasn't lip service of wanting just to wear the USA uniform because to me, it wasn't just about even wearing a uniform. It was great to represent, but I wanted to win. Um, and not just even for me, I think about when I was in, in 2008, when I was in, uh, in Beijing for the, for the Paralympic Games, how often we heard stories about people with disabilities that lived there, that prior to them being awarded the games, you know, that, that area in Beijing was not very handicap friendly. Um, people with disabilities were literally, you know, pretty, pretty much homebound. Uh, so for them to be awarded the games, for them to be able to see people with disabilities and um, be able to go out in their different athletic venues and win medals and stuff for their different countries and stuff. It was it was literally like a hundred and some thousand people in the stands the day I won my gold medal. Um, and I, I, I tell you, one of the coolest things ever. But after I won the gold medal and after the medal ceremony was over, you know, after the race was over, eight, and then there's the medal ceremony. And I had like 50 family members in the stands. And so I told our security people, I'm like, listen, I'm going up to the stands. I said, because my family's upstairs um, and I can't just win a medal and not let right. me see it. And so they're like, OK, so you want to go where? I said, up to the stands. They're like, what section is your family in? So I told them. And so we took the elevator up and, you know, they kind of got me through a little bit of a crowd. And then we came through this uh, this stairwell and they're like, no, go this way because we have your family. or We already told them you're coming. And so they're in this area right now waiting for you to come up. So again, it's a hundred thousand people in the stands, but they're they're taking me to the area where my family is, um, and so I literally come up in the area, and not only is my family around, but as many people as like that can fit in this area, where like they're just trying to get like trying to touch me, trying to touch my medal, they're trying to congratulate me, get pictures, like whatever. It got to a point that my my um our security, our U.S. security people, whatever, or team security people, they're like, April, we got to go. This is too crazy. Mm -hmm. Because it, it didn't, it, for me, it was like a promise I had made to God many years ago. It's like, if you give it to me, I'll make sure I take it everywhere I go, let people see it. Like, I'm not going to be one of the people that send my medal off to the Smithsonian or something or another that nobody ever see it or touch it. Like, instead, it's like, let, let me allow you to touch it so that you could think about your dreams in your life. And so I remember standing there and like so many just just people from China just touching my medal and my, <laughs> my family's touching it, taking pictures. And, and like I said, it got to a point the security is like, April, we have to get out of here. This is crazy. Like this is nothing we ever imagined. Like we have to get you out of here. This is crazy. And I'm like, OK, all right. My family saw that I'm good to go. You know, so we got me out of there as quick as they could. <laughs> I love that. That's an awesome story. And all right. Like you, you got the medal. What's the point of just keeping it locked away the whole time? I actually got to wear a bronze medal. Incredible incredible athlete uh ariel gold let me wear hers uh bronze medal winning snowboarder here for team usa which was so cool and got to hold it and we got to show it to a bunch of people so it is such a cool like you see them on tv right but then you actually get to see, they're heavy too they're yeah. real heavy they got some yeah. they got some thickness to them which is you nice but you waited your lifetime for it you can't give me yeah. something that came out the bubble gum right exactly let's go <laughs> i love it and so uh, i i kind of want to hop back a little bit before we get into like the the, the some more meat of your athletic and in the 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 games themselves you're doing all this stuff you're getting ready you're you're training every night you're training every day you're getting your masters at what point do you i guess fully not to say you weren't fully committed but at what point do you say okay i, I can't work at verizon anymore because i know i need to continue to train and do this how does that work and like what was that conversation with yourself like saying i'm now 100% in, this is the only thing I can do. I have to succeed. Um, I, I think for me, it was like, I, w I felt like I was 100% in everything. Because of course. 
So, so I think about like Verizon, I, I had a house, I had a you know, brand new house, I had a brand new car. I just can't leave Verizon because Paralympics at the time wasn't paying brand new house or brand new car money. So I still had to be 100% committed to, uh, to Verizon. And I actually didn't leave there until, two, so I lost my leg in 2001. Um, I didn't actually leave Verizon until 2005. So this was after I won the bronze oh, wow. in, uh, in Athens. Um, but one of the one of the um, the greater reasons of why I was able to leave was to be able to get some different sponsorships and and more importantly I was able to uh, get a sponsorship with the Jordan brand and I was the very first female athlete sponsored by the Jordan brand so to know that I grew up loving Michael in fact as the picture you see in my mm-hmm. background is a Michael but you know it, it, being able to put on those shoes and go to the playground as a kid as a basketball player and think that you could fly or try to fly. Um, through the air like Michael. And so to be sponsored by him, be it to, it, the brand uh, to be sponsored, to be the first female athlete sponsored um, was was amazing to me to, you know, just it, it meant the world to me, both, both personally and financially. Uh, so then I was able to say, OK, now I can actually walk away. Um, now I can walk away and concentrate full time on athletics and and, you know, be a professional athlete all over again, because it's one thing to call yourself professional. But are you getting paid to be professional? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I, I needed the paycheck to come along with the conversation. So um, I, I actually in 2005, once I signed with the Jordan brand, um, I was able to actually move out to the Olympic Training Center because in, in Chula Vista, California, because now I'm like, OK, now I can pay my bills and still be an athlete. Uh, so moving out to Chula Vista and, and being able to train with some of the other Olympic athletes out there, th- that meant a, a lot to my career because now I was no longer um somewhat in an amateur space, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, training and, 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 uh, surroundings of, a, of an amateur, but now I was able to, you know, do some things on a professional level and train with some other professional athletes and those kind of things. And so to be able to line up on the line with the Olympic athletes, I mean, you spoke about it. It's like, okay, you know, sometimes people have a, um, miss, I'll say the miseducation of, mm-hmm. of, um, people as in regards to uh, Paralympics, but I was able to, you know, every single last person I trained with, every single last person I ran with every single day were Olympic athletes. Like there, I didn't even train with Paralympic athletes. I trained with Olympic athletes and my coach was an Olympian. He's uh, Al Joyner. Um, and his wife was Flo Jo and, you know, his sister, Jackie Joyner Kersey. So, I mean, they were a family of gold medalists, um, and world record holders. So to get with him and, and for him to be able to train me and in my brain, he was training me like I was Flo Jo. Like I was second coming of Flojo, um, you know, she was, I was missing my leg and she was missing the pants leg on her tights or something or another. So nevertheless, that's, that was my mentality every single day. I um, love that. So to be able to get out there and, and train every single day. And I didn't do any different, any different exercises. I didn't do any different workouts. Like every single thing they did is as, as track and field athletes. Um, I did as a Paralympic track and field athlete. Um, and, and so that was no and- different. So I want to I want to stay there for a second, because I think one thing, as you said, the miseducation of people. Uh, so we were talking a little bit about before one one of the topics I want to touch on is is I and and again, I'm, I'm not going to blame it on anyone in particular. It's just kind of the way it is. More people associate the Paralympic Games being closer to the special the Special Olympics mm-hmm. than the Olympics themselves. And as you said, and, and you made very clear, you were training with Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. You were training with the best of the best, and it's not even a question. And, and so I just kind of want to get, you know, before we hop into, you know, what you're doing now and, and some of the stuff, like the, you went to three Paralympic Games, won two bronze medal, won a gold medal. We already heard the story about the goal, which is fantastic. You have multiple world records. We're not messing around here. You hit all of the goals that you wanted. But I, I want to understand from your perspective, like what what is that like? What How cutthroat 
are the Paralympic Games. Tell, tell like give it to us so that we can understand because I think again more people associate it as kind of like a feel good like this is great which it is but it is also no like we're here to win medals we're not here to mess around like this is a sport what do you do in sports you try and win yeah sure so there's there's um one of the things about the um the Paralympic Games it's it's literally uh, athletics for people with, uh, I'll say physical disabilities. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's amputees, there's visually impaired, there's, uh, people in wheelchairs. So those are the type of, um, of disabilities I'll call it that, that, um, the Paralympic athletes have. And so we, it's, I mean, it's literally some of the fastest people in the world that are, that are amputees. I mean, they are, you know, they have prosthetic legs and, we have specially designed prosthetic legs for running and, and doing different sport, but getting out there. And I know a few years ago, there was a, a guy named Oscar um, who participated in Olympics as a, as a, a Paralympic athlete, you know, he's, or as an amputee, I'll call it. Um, and then there are a couple, you know, athletes coming along now that are in the same boat. I mean, they are literally beating uh, 99% of people with two legs. Um, so it's, it's, it's very competitive. Um, there's no feel good in it. Um, other than when you stand on a metal stand and get mm-hmm. your medal, <laughs> um, there's no feel good in it. They don't give a medal to everyone that participates. Uh, unfortunately, I'll say unfortunately or unfortunately, I mean, it works, that works for the special Olympics, you know, of but course. It, that's not the same thing as the Paralympics. Um, so to be able to have, you know, the, the greatest uh, competitors and the greatest athletes in the world come together on a, on a stage such as the Paralympics and represent your country, number one, but also represent people with disabilities and what's possible when you have a disability. You know, like I said, I, prior to losing my leg, I had no idea what the Paralympics were. I never heard of them. Um, so kudos to all of the work that has been done behind the scenes and, and the, the paths that have been, uh, that have been tread since, since the inception of Paralympics many, many years ago. Um, to be able to put those athletes on a stage, but also to make them visible to people, you know, uh, thanks to NBC Sports and their commitment to mm-hmm. the Olympics and the Paralympic movement, um, just to be able to showcase those those amazing abilities um, and athletic abilities of of people with disabilities, because, you know, it, it it's possible. You know, when you think if you ever think to yourself, OK, I can't do something, especially if it's physical, you say to yourself, I can't do something. And you just just sit there for two seconds and go on YouTube or go on Google and type in Paralympic athletes and look at a couple videos. You're going to say, "Okay, what am I complaining about? Because I can actually do something. I love it. I love it. Oh, that is fantastic. Again, I hope people are listening to this on Monday. Um, Get them (laughs) get them excited for their week. Right. But I I love what you've been able to do and how you've been able to do it. And, you know, the last thing I want to touch on before we we move on to what you're doing now, which is the co-founder of Hero Hangout what the end of your career right like for most athletes they are told it is the end of their career as you said in 2005 you were able to get that you earned that incredible sponsorship deal from jordan brand Uh, shout out michael jordan and the team over there what they're doing and you then go to the 2008 games win the gold medal so very good investment on their part you go to the 2012 games win that bronze at what point did you say like okay i I think I did it. Like I, you, you hit all three of your goals, right? You world record represented the United States and got that gold medal. So we're good. Um, at what point were you comfortable with saying like, you know, what, I don't, I I'm, I'm okay. Like I, we can go back to, you know, a normal person, a regular person's life. Um, 
that was normal, interesting, but that, that was normal and regular to me. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. I've known all my life. So, I mean, that was when, when you love something, you know, that, and you're doing what you love every single day, that's like normal and regular. Um, and so in 2012, I thought for sure I was done and, and I'm like, okay, I'm done doing this. I'm going to just go off and, and begin doing motivational speaking all the time and those type of things that I was doing, um, in the speaking industry. And then started having conversations with some of my sponsors and, and I had some amazing sponsors at the time. Uh, you know, with whether it was Jordan Brand, AT&T, Deloitte, uh, 24-Hour Fitness, the Hartford. I mean, I, I had a very nice uh, BMW. I mean, I had I had a very nice list of, of sponsors. And so they're like, you can't be finished. You still have to go another four years. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I really don't. I really don't have to go another four. And then I'm like, April, just go another four. It's not that bad. You'd be okay. You know, you still love doing what you do and like those kind of things. And so for those reasons and conversations with some of my sponsors is really why I really came back and um, and was able to, you know, c- continue on for, for what I knew, I knew for sure was going to be my last one, which, which was in Rio in 2016. And so when I stepped off that track in Rio, I was, I mean, my body had taken obviously a lot of, a, a lot of damage, taken on a lot of damage and things. I had some Achilles issues. I had some, uh, heel spur issues. I had plantar fascia. So everything with my foot. And so it's different uh-huh. if it's your knee. Uh, I mean, it's different if it's your elbow uh-huh. and you're running, but when it's your foot and you only have one. Um, yeah. you know, I'm like, April, listen, it's, it's not that serious anymore. You have, have achieved everything and more than you've ever imagined. And so while you can still walk away, just walk away, like just, just bow out gracefully and go about your life. <laughs> and so when I walked off the track in Rio in 2016, uh, I was so blessed that a lot of my family members had also come It's probably like about 30 or 40 of them that had made trip, trip to Rio. And I thought it was cool that a bunch of my girlfriends came to to um to Rio also. And so I'm literally still in my uniform. I, I head off straight to the hotel where they are. We, you know, we sit out on the sidewalk patio restaurant area and we have uh we have food and laugh and joke and we have drinks and laugh and joke. And we walked up all the way up and down the beach in, in uh Rio just laughing, joking, having drinks. And that could could not have been a greater send off for me from sport and a bow out for me from sport. And like, you know, that was like a Jersey raising thing for me, like, mm-hmm. you know, put your Jersey in a rafters thing when your friends are around and your family is around and you're like having food and drinks. And and just we had such an amazing time that night. Um, but that to me was like, OK, I, I, I wrote my own story. You know, I, I, I was able to bow out on my own. I was able to say when I was done. Um, and I, I can't lie, you know, as, as even as, um, you know, the, the Tokyo games have come around what, last year and I guess this year, mm. um, I think about like, all right, can you just do it again? And I'm like, no, why? What, what craziness, what kind of craziness does that sound like? Like your, you did not get your foot repaired. So it does not feel any better. All it is, is you're let, doing less pounding on it every single day, but no, 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 there's, there's other championships to win in life. And so that's kind of how I landed upon hero hangout and I couldn't be more proud of what I'm building there. Yes. And very excited to talk about that. So after you eventually do leave athletics, you spent a little bit of time at Ernst Young, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And I'm sure you did some great stuff there, but what led you to the creation of hero hangout? What exactly is it and how, how are you helping? Cause you seem like that kind of person. You're just trying to help a bunch of other people. How are you helping and what are you doing uh, to do that? So Hero Hangout literally came from how often I would go to uh, speaking engagements. Like I said, I was doing a lot of motivational speaking around the world. And so I couldn't come off the stage fast enough and doing autograph sessions and things. 
without like there being like tons of parents lined up and like, hey, can you sign this to my kids so and so because they're having they're doing this, they're not doing this, you know, I need them to be doing this. And I really wish they were here. And can you talk to my kid? I mean, every parent, can you talk to my kid about this? Hey, can you talk to my kid about that? And I mean, we're talking everything from diet, exercise, friendship, school, mm-hmm. um, you know, anything, any and everything that parents you know, talk to their kids about all the time. It was like, I'm, 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 I just kept remembering uh, saying to myself, these people don't know me. They, they knew the 45 minutes I stood on the stage and kind of gave this motivational speech, but they don't really know me. So the fact that they're asking me to talk to their kid is actually pretty cool and it's pretty special. Um, so I began like asking other athletes, I'm like, I can't be the only person that people ask to talk to their kid about something. I mean, I, I think I, I'm, I think I'm an awesome person, but I can't be the only person. And so I would literally like ask other athletes. I'm like, wait, do parents ask you to talk to their kid? And they're like, oh my goodness, April, you have no idea. Like all the time are asking me to talk to their kid. And it's like, okay, all right. So asking all these athletes, I, I got to a point, I just stopped asking athletes because that's how often they would say yes. Like I, there was no athlete, not one single athlete that I asked that they said, no, parents don't ask me to talk to their kid. Um, so then I started asking parents. I'm like, okay, parents, are you asking people to talk to your kid? And they're like, yes, all the time because they don't listen. I'm tired of banging my head against the wall. I'm tired of talking. They're not listening, like those kind of things. And so I'm like, okay, so what do you ask them to talk to your kid about? Oh, anything from, you know, diet, nutrition, exercise, uh, you know, school, their friends, their choices, you know, anything, like anything that I think they need to get, but they're not getting. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I'm putting these things together, like all these conversations. And then it eventually became a thing of April, you're onto something. You're really, really onto something. And so I began asking, I went back and asked a whole lot of other parents. I'm like, listen, would you pay for this app? If, if your kid can be mentored by like their favorite person in the world, like, or their favorite people in the world or the most influential people in the world, like, would you pay for your kid to be on this app? And they're like, yes, when can I sign up? Can I download it? Like right now in the Apple store? I'm like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Give me a chance to build it first. Um, so being able to build it has been very, very rewarding because it has enabled us to, you know, go back and have more conversations about, you know, whether, whether it's with the teenagers or any, you know, anyone that Gen Z demographic, or, you know, even with the parents, it's like, what type of things would you like to see on the platform? So having those conversations, building in the meantime, finding two co-founders who are absolutely amazing, uh, Dr. Brett, who was, he was like, you know, during the day, he's like team USA, uh, chief medical officer and, in the evening, he's like learning how to code and like doing all things educational and technical. So for him, for us to be in an ed tech space, he's an, he was an amazing conversation to have, an amazing person to bring on board uh, with Hero Hangout. And then fast forward to my, you know, my rep at the Jordan brand, he ended up uh, being let go by Nike and the Jordan brand. And so no sooner than I found out he was let go from there, you know, they were doing a bunch of layoffs and stuff. And so he got let go. And I'm like, listen, you have to come over to Hero Hangout because you've been working at Nike for 24 years. And you have to have these amazing connections with athletes, with with you know managers, with with owners. Like you've been in every arena in the country, some some even in the world. You have to come over. Like you have an amazing rolodex of of connections that we need. Um, and so um, Dale Allen was able to come over. And so the three of us together have been building Hero Hangout. Uh, myself, I've been building it for about four years, three four years or so, but. Um, you know, for it, those two uh, came on board uh, last year and, you know, for us to build and, and be able to also to take some of the things that I learned at EY. You know, when I was at EY, I was facilitating courses. I was being I was doing executive coaching, but I was also developing learning content. And so to take the skills, some of the skills that I learned at EY 
and even be able to to add them to uh, the Hero Hangout platform. It's like, okay, all of these things in your life, you need to call upon all of these things. Again, we talk about athletics and some of the things it taught us, but it's like, you know, what athletics didn't teach me, business did. And so I'm using all of those lessons and helping to build Hero Hangout. I think it's such a cool concept too, right? Like, especially with the internet, pretty much anything is capable. Anything's possible Mm -hmm. now. So why not like have these incredible athletes from the Olympics, the Paralympics, from the NBA to the NFL, the men, women, everybody have the opportunity to let them teach your kids, right? Like I think that's, and as you said, like it's so easy for parents because like they don't listen to me. I could say the exact same thing you're saying, but they're not going to listen to me. So I'll just let you say it, right? Pay a nominal fee. They get to talk to their athlete for, you know, someone that they look up to. And now they have this incredible opportunity. So I think it's, it's when you told me about it, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we first had a conversation, it's one of those like, yeah, duh. Like why has no one created that yet? And I think it's (laughs) awesome that you're creating it. You have all these connections, the Rolodex, as you said, all the incredible people, Dr. Brett is amazing. He's the one who put us in contact. So thank you to Brett for that. But I guess really the, the the question I then have is like, what, how, how you've been building it for four years. You now bring on two incredible people. What does this look like? Like, how do you build something like this? Where do you even start? And, and how far along are you to being able to, or if you have already had athletes on the platform, talking to kids and, and, you know, creating and, and fulfilling the mission that you set out to, uh, to do. Sure. Well, currently we have, we've only been in a private beta right now in, in terms of, you know, finding some things that, that work and don't work um, with, with whether it be athletes, whether it be, you know, some of the, um, so, so, so it's not just athletes, by the way, you know, we we're we're uh, onboarding, um, you know, musicians, entertainers, actors, actresses, like anyone of influence really. So um, that kids are really, really looking up to. So, so we call our, we call our influencers actually superheroes, Nice. Um, and all of our Gen Z people on the platform, we're calling them heroes. So we have superheroes and we have heroes on our platform. So um, plenty of inspiration to go around. <laughs> and so, you know, this this entrepreneurial and startup space is very, very new to all three of us. You know, we we all come from from corporate backgrounds um, and, and athletic backgrounds. So, you know, this a whole startup space and entrepreneur, entrepreneur space is very, very new to us. So a lot of what we were doing and have been doing is learning along the way, you know, just just continuing to learn as we build, you know, learn as we build, learn as we build, learn as we build. So there have been a few bumps along the road, like we're like, oh, wait, we should have done that before we did this, or we should have tried to do this first before we did that. So just learning, like I said, is is taking up a lot of our, our time and energy, which is okay to me, um, you know, long as we're learning every single day, but we're growing also every single day. And so to have these conversations happen on this platform, to have this app now developed, um, you know, we recently submitted it to the Apple store. So I don't know how long that process actually takes, but again, a learning process, but we're still, now we're in a phase of really onboarding a bunch of, um, a bunch of our superheroes. And so we're having those kind of conversations and we don't just want uh, anyone that's a superhero to talk to our kids. Um, instead, we want to vet them through that process and make sure, you know, they're not out in the world doing crazy things. Instead, they're out in the world being great role models. Um, and the unfortunate part is sometimes, you know, people of, of that that get that platform of influence don't always do the right thing. So, you know, we're really vetting those people and really making sure that they're good people and good people to put in front of our heroes. Uh, and then once we, you know, get that together, it's like, you know, how do we, you know, how, how do we impact every day, like literally impact every single day and, and not just today, um, but tomorrow and impact forever, because that's, that's what this is about. That's how you make the world a better place by, you know, having that, those positive influence in, in conversations and actions and behaviors and then being able to 
to retain those lessons because you know we're not we're not out here, we're not out here to give advice instead we're out here to share stories you know mm-hmm. share our struggles uh to share you know those experiences that we've had with with the next generation and so if we can share those type of things then hopefully it will help their learning curve be a lot better and and hopefully it'll make the world a better place for all of us that is exactly what we're looking for. We need more positivity in the world. There's too much negative out there. Sure. I don't like that. Sure. Too much negativity. And I love all the positive energy that you have, April. I think it's fantastic. One yeah. thing you said, and I'm curious, um, I brought it up early in the conversation, and now I think it's the perfect time to do it. As you said, this is new to you, Brett, and I apologize, you're the other co-founder Dale. of the company, Dale. What's up, Dale? Um, it's It's new to all of you, but what were you able to draw upon with being an athlete at literally one more time, the absolute highest possible level? What were you able, what were the lessons that you learned and, and the skill sets and, and the, the discipline? What were you able to take from being one of the best athletes in the world to now something brand new that you've never done before? But again, you have that goal. We know you're going to hit it because obviously that's the, you told us that story already. How, what, what were you able to take? What were the attributes that you were able to take from being a world-class athlete to put into being an entrepreneur, building something that no one's ever heard of before and, and you know, expect that it will be extremely successful? So I, I think about the uh, some of the things you talked about, you know, the resilience, the hard work, the, the dedication. Um, but I think about the fact that when I started out being a Paralympic athlete, I had never even taken a step. I, I didn't even have a leg, mm-hmm. but I still had a dream of being the greatest in the world. You know, so I think about that and I and I apply that to Hero Hangout every day. You know, there there are arenas that, you know, athletes walk into every single day and they've never taken a step in that arena. But yet they expect to win Um, because they know that they've you know, they've taken their body through the practice, through the, you know, through the discipline, through the, you know, everything that it takes. And they walk in with the mindset of I'm prepared and I'm going to win. And so. I, I can't say the preparation part as much as I have the mindset of I'm going to win. And so when you surround yourself with great people, when you're learning every single day, when you when you can walk into an arena and say, you know what, I may not have ever taken a shot in this in this arena before, but I know how to shoot the ball. I may not have ever you know take run a race in this here arena before, but guess what? I know how to run. And so when the gun goes off. Um, I'm going to take off running when, you know, and I'm not going to stop till I get to the finish line and I'm not going to stop till I get to the, can get to the top of the podium. So that's kind of the mentality that we have. That's the culture we're building at hero hangout of, you know, we've never done this before, but that doesn't mean we can't win. Um, and we have so many people cheering for us, whether it's the parents, whether it's the superheroes, whether it's the heroes, whether it's just society, whether it's not just the future, um, cheering for us and, and for us to keep that mentality. Um, I, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for Hero Hangout. And right now we've we've done a great job of just focusing on the U.S. But I think about all the kids around the world that need that impact, that need that that influence every single day. And so that's what we're building. Um, we're excited about what we're building. Um, there's great potential for what we're building. Um, and again, even if we've never taken a, a, a shot in this arena, we have no doubt in our minds that we are, in fact, going to win. I, I love that analogy. That is like the best way to think about it. You know how to run. It's like you've never ran on this track before. Whatever, I'll figure it out. It's pretty easy. Um, April, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. This has been an incredible conversation hearing about your life and your stories and everything you've been able to accomplish to this point and everything you're going to be accomplishing with Hero Hangout. Where can we find more information about you, the company, uh, everything? I, I give all the people all the information. I'll put everything in the show notes so everyone can click on it on their phone. But where where can we find a little more information? 
So the app itself has not been released yet, but of course we're on all social media channels kind of talking about some things that we've been doing lately. And, and we're really starting to ramp up the, the media uh, coverage of this um, just because you know, now that we submitted to the app store, it's only a matter of time before we get you know, approved and now we're in the app store. So um, that's coming, but you can check out herohangout.net um, and you know, it's kind of read a couple sentences or whatever about what we, what we do and what we're doing. Um, but be on the lookout for us, you know, especially if you have teens, especially if you're a parent, you have teens, or especially if you're a teen, you know, Gen, Gen Z at all, um, you know, kind of be on, out on the lookout for us. Uh, because we've been having some really, really exciting conversations with some cool people, like, um, you know, some very cool household name athletes that we've been having conversations with and trying to get them on a platform. So um, it's only a matter of time before your favorite uh, superhero uh, is actually on our platform. And we invite you to come and learn from your favorite superhero. I love it. April, this has been absolutely incredible. Where can we find you on the Internet? Uh, let's see. You could go to aprilholmes.com. You can find me there or you can really uh, reach out to social media channels. All probably April. Holmes. I think all of them are also April Holmes. So you can reach out to me on all social media channels. Um, and I'm around. I, I'm, I, I love Clubhouse these days. I'm on Clubhouse um, and, and pop it in different rooms. And uh, we're talking about kind of recreating some different rooms for around Hero Hangout and things like that. So also there. So look for me around, ping me, whatever. I'm, I'm interested in having conversations. And if you have any way that you can add to the to our network um, or, or Hero Hangout, please feel free to definitely reach out. I love it. Thank you so much for April Holmes. One more time. Team USA athlete, two-time Paralympic medal, three-time Paralympic medalist, gold medalist at the 2008 Games, multiple world records. And an insane, I couldn't even count how, how high, how many national champions you have. And as I said, founder, co-founder of Hero Hangout. Thank you so much for your time today, April. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you. Bye, everybody. Bye.